welcome. We're going to jump right into the conversation here. We've already talked a little bit about the uh, school board's actions last night to modify one of those metrics, and that could uh, allow students back into uh, classes in the classroom by October 27th. Now, they, they changed that even though we are still seeing some somewhat elevated case numbers locally. From your perspective, is that a, a sensible, a workable change in terms of student and teacher safety? Um, you know, it, it's something that the, the Board of Education brought up, and they had a 4-3 vote last night to to change that metric. And, and you know, I think that basically we have been within that metric uh, for some time, but I will tell you the last number that we saw was 92 out of 100 and 100,000, and we don't know exactly, you know, what the metrics will bring, but our um, numbers have not been good this week. I mean, I, you know, I think we reported 44 cases here in Sangamon County yesterday in a combination of 78 uh, with Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Um, and then today I've yet to see what, what our new number is. But, you know, I think the we don't know really where those metrics will go, but it, it's good for me as a, a superintendent ready for both models, you know, remote or hybrid, uh, to have the metrics and know where we may go. Uh, one thing that we do know is that it has to be that metric for two weeks in a row. And then also uh, we've worked through the union and, and to really make sure that uh, teacher safety is is discussed and make sure that everything is lined out for parents and families and that our transportation is up to up to speed, that we will have a 10-day uh, kind of period where we prepare for that switchover uh, to the hybrid model. So uh, we've been, you know, working alongside schools. Each individual school is very different in its layout and its functionality and the number of students and things of that nature, different level of needs of students throughout the district. Uh, so we have created uh, safety plans, and those are being uh, you know, approved by their instructional leadership teams and also uh, sent to all of the employee groups so that we can all be on the same page. We've all heard the complaints about remote learning and people saying that it's not working, but students have had a couple of months now to get used to it. Teachers have as well. <laughs> and now in a couple of weeks, a lot of things could change again. And in some ways, it seems like it could be more complicated because rather than having all your students remote, uh, you will have some students in classrooms, some students out of classrooms, some students learning remote. Uh, you've got to sort of figure out every single day, okay, who's who's here, who's there. It seems like it's a whole new period of adjustment. What sort of feedback are you hearing from teachers about that? Uh, and after, you know, finally maybe starting into a bit of groove with remote learning, uh, adding this whole new wrinkle back into it again. You know, I don't want to call it a wrinkle because we do this work to teach kids in person. And, and you know, but now in the middle of a pandemic, we've been tasked with being prepared for just about anything. And I couldn't be more proud of our teachers for their resilience and their flexibility and their willingness to look at all sides of an issue, um, express concerns and advocate for themselves, but yet also be ready to uh, meet the needs of their students. So I've got that on my side, just a great, amazing team of teachers and administrators that are, are willing to help work through some of these issues alongside me. Um, you know, as for um, worry and complaints, I always try to take a look at what is working and 
you know, we have done a, a, a noble job, I believe, of switching to remote learning at the beginning of the year, making it count a little bit more for students and bring that accountability piece into play, um, help streamline things so that um, they're more similar across teachers, across the district. Um, and you're right, you know, things are kind of settling in right now. Um, and, and we're, you know, kind of at the midterm of the first quarter. And now we're looking to uh, possibly bring students back. But what we know is that from the very beginning, about 50% of our families and students want the opportunity to come back in person. They really need that style of, of teaching and learning. And there's another 50% that, that also said, you know, we're okay with being remote for this first semester. And, you know, being at home and, and having that, that safety of, of staying home and doing the remote learning. So when we do say we are coming back, we are not bringing every student back or even every teacher back. We are um, still honoring any, um, you know, teacher. We've, we've gone through a very uh, distinct process with our employees about whether they can uh, work in person or whether they uh, need to be remote. And we've asked their opinions and, and process. Um, in a way that we have students aligned with remote teachers for with students who want to be remote as well. And vice versa, if a teacher was interested in coming back and working in the classroom um, and, and teaching in, in hybrid model, then we have kids that also wanted that same model aligned with those teachers. That will help with some of our transition. Uh, that was some great uh, forethinking on the efforts of our HR department. And, you know, we really did that that work uh, so that we didn't have to do that transition when we returned to learn. Springfield School Superintendent Jennifer Gill is here with us. Can you quantify what kind of engagement you've had so far in remote learning? You know, I've heard anecdotally of teachers saying that some students just aren't really participating at all. Uh, they're not getting assignments. They're not getting, you know, uh, kids even logging on. Have Have you had, you know, lots of issues of truancy or students who've just really checked out from the whole remote learning process? You know, uh, truancy is a hard word in this in this world that we live in because it's just so different. Usually, we think of that child, you know, not getting on the school bus, not coming, not having engaging in any work whatsoever. I think some of the frustration that I've heard from uh, staff is that you know kids may engage for a bit and then they they just log off, and the teacher really doesn't know you know, why they logged off or, or where they, they've gone. And I guess you could liken that to skipping school, but most of, mostly, you know, it could be related to connectivity or it could be related to um, another student in the home uh, that, that, you know, was drawing on the Wi-Fi and it just two computers couldn't hook up. These are some things that are, are new problems to us. So, you know, getting those hotspots out to families, we just got another shipment of 250 in today, um, got them all squared away, even had staff members of mine working after the board meeting last night to catalog them and get them uh, into our system and, and out to families and students and, and principals today to deliver in some cases uh, to families that were still having connectivity issues. So we do know that that's one piece of the problem. I think it is harder to um, really get to build those relationships with students and engage them in a way, um, you know, remotely. And so that's a challenge that we've seen not only in District 186, but just about everywhere with this, this type of learning. If students do, in fact, come back, and as you noted, they won't all come back and they won't all mm -hmm. be in there every day, but October 27th, we could start to see students back in classrooms. Do you feel confident that you can enforce 
distancing. You can enforce mask requirements. And in particular, what happens at lunchtime mm-hmm. when kids have to take those masks off to eat, but they're still going to be in these classrooms with teachers there. And if somebody's infected, it seems like that's where you could see some of the uh, the biggest risk. You know, I we, we understand that. And so putting as many safety protocols in place as we possibly can with social distancing, uh, making sure that we clean tables in between use, um, we, we really do feel um, in most of our schools we have cafeterias that are big enough to uh, – with a half half of your population coming in roughly on any given day, and that maybe even being half beyond that with um, sort of an A and B day uh, for students coming in, uh, and then breaking it up over multiple lunch shifts and opportunities that we will be able to assign seats to students, have them sitting in the same table, socially distanced, um, you know, each and every day so that they can eat. It's not going to be really the, the, the school that we remember and love so much that we hope that we can get back to soon. It will be a very different uh, scenario. But that's some of the work that our principals and teachers have been doing alongside each other to prepare for what it might look like to return, um, you know, in, in a in a COVID-type setting. And, you know, at middle school and high school, it may be even a little bit more uh, stressful with more numbers uh, to make sure that we have those things happen. But, you know, we're even talking about having students, you know, log in uh, to which table they sat at because it's very important to know for contact tracing where people have been. Um, and that's not just only our internal contact tracing, but also for the Department of Public Health. Uh, do you have a, a, a policy in place, uh, a sort of a, a, a formula that, that people can point to that if you do have a case in a school, whether it's a teacher or a student, mm-hmm. to what extent you will have to qu- have people quarantined, to what extent it might involve shutting down an entire classroom right. and having them go all remote or even an entire school and going all remote? Right. How do you make those determinations? Well, you know, we have um, we have schools all around us right here in our own city boundaries and and outside that we've, you know, obviously we can model after and talk to uh, to see how those things have gone. It is being done in the state of Illinois and and, uh, other communities across the country. So, you know, we we do feel like the Illinois Department of Public Health has put out a nice um, metric for us in terms of it's almost like a flow chart. You know, if you're symptomatic and, you know, when did you become symptomatic and have you gotten a COVID positive? And we've learned a lot of lingo uh, from from the uh, Sangamon County Department of Public Health. Gail Neely and her team have been absolutely wonderful in contact tracing uh, situations to really understand the difference between a primary contact and a secondary contact. Um, you know, we have all of our form letters ready to go that really help principals and administrators and our communication department put together clear communication, not only to the family involved or those that came in the closest, you know, primary contact, but also the larger school community. Um, obviously, if you have COVID, you have to quarantine for 10 full days, according to the Department of Public Health, whether you get a negative test later on in that that time period or not. And if you're a primary contact, it's 14 days. Um, if you test positive, it's 10 days from that day that you test positive. And, you know, just making sure that you follow through. And if an entire class has had primary contact, it may be that. And, and I've been very upfront with the board and, and members of the public. When we come back to hybrid, there may be instances where we have to close a classroom for a requisite amount of time. Um, so that we can not only deep clean and get uh, get the room sanitized, but also to abide by any uh, quarantining that needs to be done or any isolation if it was uh, an actual actual positive case. 
Is the staffing all set now? I realize the parents may still have the opportunity when this hybrid model goes into place that some could still opt to say, I think I'd rather just stay with remote rather than send kids back into classrooms. But do you uh, feel that you you have staffing worked out so that you have enough teachers to cover all the in-classroom needs? And can you accommodate any and all teachers who would prefer not to be back in a classroom right now? You know, yes, we we really have. If there was, you know, if there was a, they had to go through a a process with our human resource department, um, but we really were able to accommodate a majority of our uh, teachers and a a very high majority of our teachers and their needs. Um, And we've worked through any other problems that we had uh, with people maybe wanting to stay at home and and maybe being one of those, what we call singletons, where they only teach, uh, they're the only teacher for that subject that has happened across the district. So, you know, we may have some instances where a student will come back hybrid and if they're in a a singleton classroom and the teacher does have a reason, uh, you know, that's approved by our HR department to stay home, where a student may still have to Zoom for one period of the day. Um, You know, I always use our our foreign languages as an example that, you know, there's only one teacher that teaches the fourth year of those languages in our schools. So, you know, with that class, and if that teacher might happen to be remote, uh, we would need to set up a place where students could still have that instruction um, in a, in a classroom at the school and then continue on with their hybrid schedule. Um, but we have been able to, to figure out our staffing. It hasn't been easy. And once again, I give our HR department, um, you know, a very uh, large kudos for helping me organize that from the very beginning. That's how we organize students with teachers from the get-go um, and signing up for classes so that we wouldn't be dealing with what we would call a, a chaotic web of, of confusion, you know, when we did choose to go back to hybrid. This is all going to get a dry run in the next couple of weeks, as you've talked about bringing back some special needs students, students with autism, behavioral issues, the life skills mm-hmm. students who have some pretty uh, profound disabilities, mm-hmm. students who uh, may uh, you, you, you may not be able to uh, handle wearing masks or just simply won't wear a mask like that. How do you do that safely with a vulnerable population and teachers who have to really be up close to those students? Well, you know, I think that there's a couple things that have been in place is we've been having individual meetings with all of the families uh, that have individual education plans um, to prepare something called an, a, a remote learning plan, uh, something that you can add on to their our already legal document of an individual education plan and really help them understand um why wearing a mask and, and protecting not only their own child, but also, you know, the teachers and the um, professionals that are working alongside them. Uh, we do have a wearing face mask rule for all employees, all visitor, all visitors, all stakeholders um, in our school. And if a child can't wear a mask, then uh, they're being asked to have a medical um, you know, a doctor's signature on on that form and then have the doctor help us alongside the family and the um, individual education plan team understand what the alternative might be. Um, and remote learning is still an option for families. Um, and so, you know, we, we are going to, we welcome our students back with open arms and work through the shoes. We know that wearing a face mask is much like, you know, doing any other activity at school that you have to maybe be taught the expectations and work through them. Um, but we do have to have a, a kind of a no tolerance pattern on wearing a mask and, and making sure that they do so on a regular basis if they're choosing to not 
do so with, you know, without um, a proper doctor's note and a plan that we could have in place to know how we can all be safe. Uh, the second part of that is making sure that the teachers feel like they have the personal protective equipment and the sanitizing and cleaning in place. Um, you know, it is it is something that we have not lived yet, but we are prepared uh, to, to be ready to, to live through it and to change and be flexible and add to and support teachers and listen along the way. And I think that that's the, the key to this is that we're going to have to just have this lived experience and, and move forward. But when we have our most vulnerable learners that are really struggling with the online learning, um, getting them back into a classroom even two days a week is going to be uh, beneficial for their learning patterns. Superintendent Jennifer Gill, I have never envied you your job, and even less so now. So uh, thank you for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate it. You know, I really appreciate you and the community and understanding, you know, that we have to look at all sides of the situation, um, but we are here to serve and, you know, just tried to be prepared on both fronts, you know, for remote learning and for in-person, and we're learning along the way as well. Again, appreciate your time. We've got more coming up here. WMAY on 92.7, 94.7, and 970 AM.